Hey there, and welcome again, friend, to Don't Take My Word For It. This is a weekly podcast where I, Vasti, your host, try to motivate you, encourage you, and to challenge you uh, in your Christian walk, as I am challenging myself. I merely share some of the stuff that I am learning, and my biggest goal, really, is to get you to do your own personal study. Anyone can say whatever they like. Uh, I can say a lot of stuff, and I can have really good intentions, but, uh, you know, humans make mistakes, and so uh, try to make it a habit to verify things and to study the Word of God yourself. It doesn't have to be with the content I make, but it uh, just time where you set aside to study a few verses and look deeper into them. Uh, this is a pilot episode. Uh, it's not going to be any different to you if you've been a listener of the regular series in English. However, you are going to see that there will be an episode uh, with the same title, but then you're going to see Spanish right after it. And that's the pilot version of this is I'm going to test out how the episodes come out, if I can do the same thing in Spanish and in English and... Um, publish it the same day so uh, that's that's that part of it and today we're going to be talking about meekness when you think of the word humility or meekness what comes to your mind hmm. for me I confess for a long time it was everything but what it actually means Humility uh, is a difficult concept for us humans to grasp. Uh, And I don't think that we will ever truly understand it, but we can try. Uh, I think of, or I used to think of, you know, someone that doesn't have a lot, someone that uh, doesn't accept a compliment, um... Or this this attitude when someone when someone says something about you where you say oh no and you try to be all modest about it, um, or or when you are told uh, or asked about a certain ability like can you draw, and you really do know how to draw, but what what I thought hum- humility was is. No, I don't. And then I proceeded to show everybody I did, in fact, know how to draw. Oh, so it was amazing, you know. Is that really humility? Absolutely not. But that's what would come to my mind years ago. Meekness. And this we're going to focus more on meekness today. But meekness is sort of similar. Meekness sounds like you're just a weak person. I mean, you turn the cheek when someone does something to you. You don't seek justice. You, uh, I've heard a lot, a lot of the the definition of strength under control, which to me can only really apply to Jesus because I don't think I've ever felt like, really, I have strength under control? I don't think so. Most situations, no. Um, but Jesus was, is God. He was in a human body. And he could have blasted half the people when they were doing... All the things they did to him. <laughs> and he chose not to because he had a goal in mind. So that was that definition. Strength under control. For humans, I don't think it really truly 
mostly applies to us that way. So then I always struggled with understanding, because, you know, there's it's a beatitude, and the meek shall inherit something, I can't remember what the verse says, but I would always think of that and not really know what it meant. But today, I want to share with you a definition of meekness, which is very closely tied with humility, that I learned that blew my mind. Let me share from my Vines Expository Dictionary what I found. Under the word meekness, there are two entries. The first one is an adjective that comes from the word praus, P-R-A-U-S. The Strong's number is 4239. It denotes a gentle, mild, and meek person. Christ uses it of his own disposition, and it is in the Beatitudes. Doesn't sound too interesting. It's what we've heard before. I want to focus on the second entry, which is a noun, and comes from the word prautes or praotes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S. This is crazy. I'm not lying. You can you can use Google, right? Find expository dictionary and write prautes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S. Check it out. It says, in its use in scripture, in which it has fuller, deeper significance than non-scriptural Greek writings, it consists not in a person's outward behavior only, nor in his relations to his fellow man, as little in his mere disposi- as little in his mere natural disposition. Rather, it is an inward grace of the soul, and the exercises of it are first and chiefly towards God. So it's it's less about your behavior with other people. And more about your alignment of the soul and how you exercise your desires being chiefly towards God. But that's not what blows me away. It's what comes next. It says, It is that temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. I'm staying silent on purpose because the first time I heard that, I was like, what? I've never heard this definition before. So because your disposition is first and chiefly towards God, your spirit is in such a state in alignment with him and his purpose that you accept all of his dealings with you as good and you do not dispute them or resist them. Even the things I don't like, Fusty? Yes! Even the things we don't like. That's what I thought. I was like, so you mean to tell me that this trial period I am going through and this illness and all of the things that I'm having to deal with that could be gone a long time ago because he has the power to take them away and he has not done it. If I'm truly a meek person, I should not dispute or resist them but see them as good. What? I'm going to keep going. After that, it says, It is closely linked with the word tapeinofresune. I'm probably butchering it. I'm not even going to tell you the letters. It comes from humility. Uh, No surprise there. Hmm. The meaning of proutus is not readily expressed in English. For the terms meekness, mildness, commonly used, suggest weakness, and pusillanimity, 
whatever that means, to a greater or lesser extent, whereas Prautes does nothing of the kind. As Prautes describes a condition of mind and heart, and gentleness is kind of inappropriate as a word in the English version. The common assumption is that when a man is meek, it is because he cannot help himself, but the Lord was meek because he had infinite resources of God at his command. Now, I'm not going to read the rest, but really, it, it was that, that one part of it that says, because your disposition is first and chiefly towards God, that means cause you're, that your spirit is in such a place that you accept all of his dealings, all of them as good and therefore you do not dispute or resist any of them do you realize what that means <sighs> mind blown no i'm not a meek person i'm working on it though <laughs> now that we have a better grasp of what i think the best understanding of what the word meekness is Let's look at some verses where we could get a bigger picture about what happens when we actually choose to practice meekness. And I'm going to start with Psalm 37, 11, And then we're going to go to another verse that directly connects to it. Psalm 37, 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And... I don't know about you, but I've always had kind of questions about what it, what does it mean really to inherit the earth? Because is it is it land we're getting? Because for the, for the Israelites, there was a promise of land, and there that was a big deal for them. But how do we really apply that for ourselves? Because that's it's not the same context for us. And does that mean here in the earth? Does it mean in the future in heaven? Like what what does that imply? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the second part is a direct, easy way to see that there are good consequences from being meek. And that is that you delight yourself in an abundance of peace. But let's go to Matthew 5, 5. Here, Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes. And I believe this is somewhere around his Sermon on the Mount. Um, but verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And my study Bible has an entry which I think better elaborates what I was trying to talk about in Psalms. It says, Like the preceding Beatitudes, this one uses the words they will inherit the earth, an exact parallel to somewhere else in Matthew. For the first three Beatitudes thus confirm Jesus' identity as a servant, just like Isaiah said in um, Isaiah 61. This beatitude, though, echoes Psalm 37, 11, like we were talking about, in which the meek are those who trust God and surrender to his authority, even when they cannot make sense of their circumstances. Here it is, Brautus, again. In the context of the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospel of Matthew as a whole, inherit the earth or land involves more than the promise of living in Palestine. Like we were talking about, Israelites had a big thing with the land, promised land. It refers to living a recreated, living in a recreated earth over which Christ rules eternally. 
Matthew 19.28 anticipates the renewal of earth and assures Jesus' disciples that they will enjoy great reward in the eternal kingdom. And I, I think we sometimes discredit the importance of the rewards that we will have <laughs> when we're in heaven. I think it will be a big deal. Just think, remember, this is going to be forever ever after and we can't wrap our minds around that concept because everything we think everything has a beginning and an end and that's not how God exists and how his being and his things are and so if you don't have any rewards for ever and ever it means that you will probably be excluded from certain things and certain joys I mean you're still going to be in heaven but it's like living in a castle but not having access to all of it and I, for one, have downplayed that before where I think like, well, that doesn't matter because that's later. What about now? Like, what happens if I am meek now? And that's a direct downplay of (laughs) the importance of what heaven will be like. However, I do think that there are obvious rewards when we are meek here. And I don't want to go into deliberations from something I can't read or find in the Word, so I'll just say for now, at least, you're going to have an abundance of peace. That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems or circumstances, but you will have peace in the midst of them. And so, that to me is uh, maybe not exactly what I wanted to hear while I was here on earth, that I I will have peace, but I I want peace and no trouble. Can we do that? I don't think it works that way. Uh, But I think there's still the incentive of even more important than now, when I live in the same plane as my creator, I would like to have more access to things to spend time with him. So... I think we need to start seeing things that way more often. Another verse I wanted to share where it talks about meekness is Psalm 147, verse 6. It says, The Lord lifted up the meek. He casted the wicked down unto the ground. And this one is interesting to me because I was also studying this in Spanish. And verse 6, instead of saying meek, says humble in the Spanish version, and uh, I I think they are different words, but there are parts of them that are the same, and I think um, meekness and humility become the same thing when we look at humility as submitting to God and his plans for your life, and when you look at meekness as... Uh, taking all of the uh that definition of protest we talked about where i accept all of god's dealings with me as good and i don't complain about them <laughs> and i i take them as they are and i thought that was interesting um but here it says that the lord will lift you up if you are in fact practicing meekness another verse i wanted to share was uh, found in matthew I have to look it up here. It's Matthew 11, verse 29. Matthew 11, 
29 and it says this take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest into your souls and here um it uh it stood out to me that jesus describes himself as meek and lowly in heart in spanish it says meek and humble um and uh, aside from the point of of trying to think that uh, it seems impossible to take his yoke upon ourselves uh and I think he provides, after this verse, he explains that his yoke is easy and his burden is light because basically he already he already did the work for us. But uh, focusing on the meek, what, what made Jesus meek? And if we think of it, uh, you know, Jesus is part of the triune God where there's God the Father. God the Son, which is also Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All three of those entities are one entity. Do we know how that works? Not exactly. But that is what God tells us about himself, and so we must believe it. And there is a verse, and I don't remember where it is, that where it talks about Jesus not uh, not really looking to his position in the trinity as something that could be lost and something that he had to grasp on and hold on to like if he gave it up someone else was going to take his place he is who he is and yet he decided to degrade himself in a certain form because he had to subject himself to a human body uh, that didn't mean that he wasn't a hundred percent god it just meant that he had to live his godly self and limit himself to human rule so he could experience everything a human would experience but he was still god now i don't know how that works but it is how it worked and that is the definition of meekness first is strength under control which is the definition that i don't like so much and i only like to apply it to god or jesus um but it is also the fact that he he accepted this dealing his own dealing with himself as good because he knew that that was the only way he he wanted us to have access to live with him but he is perfect and we are not and so the only way that that could happen was if part of the perfect god could come here and step in our place so that we could gain access through him and that is meekness and uh that's it's a beautiful picture for us there is another place in the word of god that makes it pretty clear that god wants us to act with meekness and walk on it and this one is found in ephesians 4 verses 1 and 2 it says i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love afterwards it says endeavoring to keep the unity um so lowliness and meekness are fundamental to maintaining unity unity sorry in the body of christ but another interesting aspect of that is 
that the word humility is a term that is uh, is not really found in the Latin vocabulary or the Greek uh, for Paul's time. And it seems that Christians kind of adopted this word because perhaps Paul was trying to describe a quality that could not really be described with other other words that were existing of the time. Um, but humility is a, or lowliness is a virtue, a Christian virtue that is foundational. Uh, and I think it's one of the first Beatitudes, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's, it also highlights meekness uh, because it is an inevitable product of humility because you have an attitude uh, where you are in control of your emotions and you are, you have a lot of self-control. And so temperance uh, comes into the play and long-suffering. They, they all kind of have something to do with each other and I think that's really interesting. But each one of those words has a... a a different way in it in which makes it unique but going back to meekness here uh we have to walk worthy of our vocation because we have been called um and part of making a worthy walk is that we have to do it with lowliness and with meekness and uh it, it really changes <laughs> the the idea of things when you know the definition of all the words separately and you put them together it means that you have to be in a position where you subject yourself your desires uh what you want is not as important as what god wants number one and you always esteem god as more important and unattainable perfection in which you as a human cannot reach. And so therefore you put yourself under him because you understand there is no way that you can ever reach that. And that is part of lowliness or humility. And then you combine that with meekness, which is partly self-control, power under control, and taking all of the dealings God sends to your life and see them as good and refuse to complain about them and and to argue with him about them um, which is a huge deal, uh, and then you have long-suffering, which is basically, if I'm correct, is self-control, and so all three of these things are fundamental for us to walk worthy of our vocation and to keep unity, but it's funny to me that we struggle with these three things a lot, <laughs> uh, and it, I just wanted to highlight that, uh, it's, it's, it's not just a good thing to have under your in your list of characteristics it's it's part of walking worthy of your vocation if you want to do that you have to practice this and we can only do that with his help which is the irony of all of this one last verse i'm going to share with you that has helped me try to apply meekness and understand it in my life is uh James chapter 4 
verses 6 and 7. Verse 7 doesn't really have to do with what we're talking about, but I'm going to include it here because I learned something with it that was really important to me. Um, It says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so we've talked about, this episode is about meekness, but humility and meekness are very similar. We've said that multiple times. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I need God's grace in my life. The only reason I am sane right now and healthy and having a good perspective is because His grace is on my life. And that only happens because I seek Him daily and... And the only reason that happened is because even though I was attempting to do that for probably the last three years, I wasn't being as successful as I am now, now that I am going through a uh, a very difficult time in my life with a health issue. Uh, and because I have been in this annoying circumstance that I dislike, that I want to go away, that God is not taking away, and he in fact allowed it, and has allowed it to go on for a long time, I had to cling to his grace, to his word, because there was no other way for me to do this, and go through this, and grow up and get something good out of it, if I did not do that, I want his grace in my life. And what it says in this verse is that he resists those who are proud. He resists those who don't align and submit to what he wants. And sometimes I understand it can be difficult to know what he wants. Uh, it's not like a list is going to float onto your lap while you wake up in the morning and says, this is what I wanted to do. And there will be floating clouds and angels playing trumpets. That's not how it works. Uh, sometimes you're not really sure what you're supposed to do. And sometimes it's something you, you have a knowing in your heart that there is this person you need to talk to, that there is this project you need to work on, that there is this difficult person you have to deal with. Other times... I think God uses imagery or something you are seeing or you hear and it reminds you of something. And and there's just these very personal ways in which he directs us. But sometimes there's a whole lot of no direction. (laughs) And it is in those times where we have to just cling to the basics. What does he want? He wants me to share my faith. He wants me to be humble. He wants me to be meek. He wants me to treat others with kindness. He wants me to work on self-control. And I think if you are doing those things, you are inevitably aligning yourself under God and submitting. Why? Because you're not doing what you want. You're not doing what feels comfortable to you. You're saying, what I want is not as important. It's what you want. And so my comfort is not as important. And I think that's that's an important part of being Christian. And uh, this verse 7 I wanted to share with you guys because uh, I have heard the phrase of resisting the devil and he will flee many, many times before. Um, But the first words of the verse say, submit yourselves therefore to God. And then you can resist the devil and then he will flee. If you're not submitting to God, you can resist till you're blue in your face and nothing is going to happen because... You're not submitting, so you don't have the power. You don't have the grace. 
another interesting thing is I heard someone talk about this and I think it was Joyce Meyer. She was saying that resisting the devil has nothing to do with making a problem go away. That's not what resisting the devil is for. You resist the devil so that you can act the right way as you're going through a difficult circumstance. And that changed my perspective completely because some people might think, well, I resisted the devil and and the problem's still here. And it's like, well, that's not what resisting the devil's for. Um, First, are you submitting? And second, the problem's not guaranteed to go away. This is for you to be able to still act in self-control, in meekness, in kindness, to not complain, to not over-worry, to be emotionally stable, all of those things, while you go through the difficult stuff. And that was very valuable to me, so I wanted to share it with you. Well, that's all the time we have for today, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to meditate on this type of stuff and and seek out the Word of God. What does it really say? Um, it it should mean a lot to yourself, and and it has a lot to say about your your growth and your perspective when you're searching for these types of things. Um, as always, I encourage you to study some scripture it doesn't have to be what i talked about it just has to be something that you are doing yourself it it will it will blow your mind it it will be completely different uh so i will always continue to motivate you to do your own study because i can make a mistake but god's word does not and so um thank you for being here and as a summary meekness is something we all have to work towards uh it's it's not something I'm not sure we're going to master until we are in a different form other than human. Uh, but it means aligning ourselves to and under God and having a an attitude and a spirit uh, that, that leads us to accept all of, all of God's dealings with us as good. Um, the good ones and the bad ones. And I've been working on that uh, for this past year. And I will continue to do so probably until I die. And <laughs> it's it's difficult because when you are in hard circumstances that will not go away, uh, there are a lot of lies that try to settle in your mind. Things like, uh, God's not here. He doesn't care about me. He refuses to change my circumstances. So he is actually not good. All of those things are lies. And if you have had those thoughts recently, let me encourage you and motivate you to throw those ideas away. It is not true. Circumstances go up and down, but God's love for us is unchanging. And the fact that these circumstances are here and sometimes will not go away does not mean he does not care. And that can be hard for us to understand, but I choose to believe in his word. He is unchanging. He loves me. And uh, I hope that you can believe that too. Thanks again for being here with me. I hope to see you again in the next episode of Don't Take My Word For It. See ya.